Blau und weiß sein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Shaka podcast worldwide. This is Shock America. You are listening to episode 88, one step closer to 100. As always, uh, joining on the show and co-host is Jack Mangan. Jack, uh, we know we certainly have the greatest fans in the world, uh, especially the ones listening to our podcast here. But uh, it's been trying times for us of lately. Uh, how, how have you been? Yeah, trying times uh, indeed. I mean... We're we're really in it now, aren't we? We are. What a what a, what a skid that we're oh on. This is uh this is not good. Um, negative eleven goal difference in the Rook Runda. Uh, just consistently lacking the goals up front and chipping goals defensively, which is somewhat uncharacteristic based on our uh, you know first half of the season performances. So uh, trying times indeed, but I am I'm doing I'm doing all right. Besides that, I. Uh, Did not watch the game live yesterday. I was attending a winter uh, craft beer festival, so probably better to spend my day drinking <laughs> yes. than uh, than watching that. But I, I caught up on, on on most of the activity uh, earlier today. Yeah, I didn't catch the game live either because I was at the DC United home opener. Uh, so I was following along on my phone, and then I, I got to catch up and watch the replays. So um, yeah, it was uh, certainly an occasion to drink. Uh, you you did, a, you did you had a better outing at the festival for sure <laughs> i'm sure you wish you had all those beers there with you when you're watching the game so uh let's get right into it because um it's not something that's something fun we want to talk about here but let's get to the lineup the starting lineup who started the game uh noble in goal back four of kenny kabak nastasic and ochipka you had a midfield of mckinney bujala um harit shof with uh gregorich and raman up top um Really, going back, the, the big, big I think, uh, surprising insert into the lineup, for me at least, was uh, Bujaleb. Uh, as a welcome sight, for sure, but I was surprised to see him in the lineup. Uh, what were your thoughts on the initial lineup? Yeah, so uh, Swat Serdar and Omar Mascarell, both unavailable uh, for this yeah. one, which obviously uh, not ideal. Mascarell, I think, had he started basically every game prior to that? Yes, I believe I he has. I think he played almost every minute of the entire season for us, um, and then... I mean, beyond just having that anchor be missing, which is a problem, Suat Soder, I think everyone would agree, is uh, one of our best players um, and important to us in a lot of different aspects of the game. Um, hey, we, we saw we saw David Wagner change the system up finally. Little four two three one action. Uh, the diamond was not present against uh, Cologne from from the start here. Uh, yeah, as you said, Bujaleb and McKenny making that double pivot. Centrally, uh, Alessandro Schupp playing at the sort of the number 10 position, which I thought was a strange yeah. place for him to be. Um, you know, if you're going to have Amin Harid on the field and Schupp, I would think that maybe you'd probably want to put Schupp as more of a winger position in Harid centrally because you get a little congested in the middle of the field and Schupp maybe isn't the best person to navigate that. Um, but anyway, yeah, you see Benito Roman out at right wing and then Gregorich as the lone striker uh up top um I'm, i'm sure neither you or i would have uh, preferred to see him there obviously i think we would like to see katuchu or somebody else um but yeah at, le at least we're seeing wagner finally 
deciding to change things up and try to present the opposition with a different look um, didn't ultimately work out in this one, but I think uh, that's probably the right move from him just because if you continuously lose and you refuse to change things, you're going to get even more heat than perhaps you will if if you're trying new things, right? Um, so, yeah, there's that, but some definitely some interesting uh, selections in the starting lineup, but of course some of that is, is due to uh, the unavailability of some of our better players. Yeah, and I, I wonder if the, the reason for this formation was to mirror what Cologne was doing because it looked like they came out with a 4-2-3-1 as well. Uh, a player who we normally think would be someone we have to worry about in the game, who didn't have much action, Timo Horn. Uh, he was pretty much uh, had not much to do in the whole game, but the one guy who we were worried about, especially going into this game, was the red hot John Cordoba, uh, scoring goals in what six games in a row or something uh, before this game. Um, end up getting a goal in this one, but let's get into the what happened in the game. Uh, scoring, we thought started early in the what seventh minute. Um, uh, Jonas Hector looked like he scored a goal there. Uh, they checked with VAR, and I guess they called back. Maybe they didn't, maybe didn't even go to VAR, Jack. Uh, I know it was just called offsides. Did you catch that part? Yeah, I don't know if they had any communication with VAR or not. Um, but just a comedy of errors at the back in terms yeah. of our inability to, to, to build some sloppy passing, sloppy dribbling. The ball is turned over like multiple times in a 30-second period by multiple Schalke players. Ultimately, as you say, uh, falls to Hector, who gets the shot in from outside the box. I forget the player. That was was maybe it was was it Florian Kainz that was running in? I forget. Um, but yeah, a different a different Cologne player um, was in an offside position when that shot was taken, and was sort of between Alexander Nubel and um, Hector, and so they they ultimately waved the goal off because they they called that goalkeeper interference. Essentially, um, I think that was the right decision in this case. Um, and you could contrast it with I don't know if anybody saw the Everton Man U game, but. Um, <laughs> stoppage time of that game today uh, a shot comes in and is deflected off of uh, a shot comes in from Everton is deflected off of Harry Maguire and, and, and gets deflected into the goal um, and there was an Everton player uh, kind of in an offside position there uh, and they and VAR actually waved that one off mm. which I thought was the the wrong decision in that sense because um, it came off a Man U player anyway um, this 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 one I think was was the correct decision uh, you know how I feel about Manuel Grefa as, as an official, we <laughs> yeah. talk about that a lot. I, I tend to think he's one of the better officials in the Bundesliga, um, as contrasted with somebody like uh, Dennis Eitigen, who I'm not a fan of. Um, but uh, that should have been a warning to us, that play, uh, that the, the pressure was here from Cologne and we need to deal with it. And we, we failed to do that, and they kept up the pressure and kept the ball in that final uh, third of the pitch. And uh, just a couple minutes later, they, uh, they took the lead. Yeah, uh, it was actually off a corner corner kick from Kainz, uh Went to Bornau, uh, I think uh, near near post, and he headed it past Nubel uh, there in the ninth minute. Went up one nothing there. Um, we knew it was they ha- we had a, a warning, like you said, in the seventh minute. Uh, Schalke did nothing to react to that, and uh, Cologne just kept coming at Schalke, and they scored a goal early in the ninth minute. Um, I was hoping to see some sort of reaction after that goal, and we really didn't get that from Schalke. Uh, unfortunately, the one thing that did happen was uh, Ozan Kabako went down again uh, with an injury. This time, it looks more serious uh, from what I read. Uh, pelvic injury, he could be out long term. Uh, so we saw another John Claire Tadebo once again. Uh, but another injury for Shaka. We're already, we're already losing Mascarell, I think, for the entire season. Um, and now we got um, Kabak possibly out for long term. These injuries are just piling up, Jack. So I, I didn't see that news about Ozan Kabak, so I'll have to go check that out. You, you think that he's 
potentially out for the for a long a long period of time here in the second half. Yeah, it sounded like what what I read was a serious pelvic injury because he came down right on his pelvis bone, pelvic bone. Um, and from what I read, it said it's, he's probably been missing for several weeks. I think some I read like five weeks maybe, but I could be wrong on that. But it, it seemed lo- very very long term as opposed to recently where it's been a couple games or whatever. I must have missed that, but if that is the case, that is uh, obviously not good news. Ozan Kabak has been one of our uh, best players since he kind of broke into the starting lineup here. Uh, and obviously center back has been the position where we have been the most depleted throughout the entire season. So that is not good. It sounds like Salif Sine is, is very close to making his return. Yeah, yeah. Which is the silver lining here, but um, yeah, not ideal. Basically, yeah, if, I mean, he goes up for a 50-50 ball to try to win a header, um, goes over the top of the opposing player, and ultimately falls basically straight on his his, 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 uh, his back, as you said. Um, did look pretty painful. He was down for a little bit. He got up and was walking around, but um, ultimately decided he was unable to continue. And as you said, Tadebo comes in, um, who I thought looked uh, pretty good for the most part, actually. Um, and yeah, he's given Cordoba all he could take. Yeah, he was. He, I mean, he, he definitely came in with some energy and was and was lively, which was needed because I, I felt that Schalke in the first half, in particular, were incredibly lethargic, losing all the fifty fifty balls. Um, sloppy passing, sloppy touches, uh, you know, just just seemed out of sync significantly. Could not cope with the intensity, the sharpness, the pace of Cologne in a lot of different ways, and uh, yeah, caused massive problems for us. And uh, the the goal that we mentioned, the uh, the uh, the set piece goal, um, that looked like it was right off the training ground to me. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I mean, and Schalke could do nothing about it; just well executed. And I thought that was kind of like a microcosm of the entire game. Like they just seemed, Cologne seemed locked in, sharp with a really good game plan, and Schalke seems extremely low on confidence and sort of being very reactive instead of proactive in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, not good. I think Cologne are actually the league leaders in goals from set pieces, if I'm not mistaken. And they were, they were, I know they're certainly up there. Uh, and so that goal like that certainly proved that they're very capable of scoring off set pieces. We did not help them, as you mentioned. But, uh, yeah, they scored a goal from a set piece. And uh, their second goal would not come from a set piece. It came from sloppy defending, as you said, off a brilliant counterattack, I guess, from the Cologne perspective. Uh, basically, John Cordoba pretty much takes it, you know, end-to-end, uh, going around going around past players, um, ends up getting a goal past Nubel. Uh, what terrible defense on that breakaway. I mean, it wasn't even a breakaway. It seemed like a breakaway, but it wasn't. It was like one against three or whatever, and he just seemed to take everyone down. And uh, the fact that, you know, Kenny, McKenny tried to slow him down with a t-shirt pull, but I mean, I mean, nobody really could do anything about it, and certainly not the goalkeeper. It was a box-to-box counterattack that came about after a good spell of possession where we looked like we were being dangerous in the final third. Yeah. And it just, you know, completely flipped on its head very quickly. Um, I think there was one part where uh, the ball was cleared close to midfield and three different Schalke players collapsed on the ball, which basically allows any runners that are making runs off the side of that to just be wide open. And ultimately, this is what happens. Um, you know, Cordoba takes off and, and receives the ball and, and Schalke is scrambling to catch up to it. And uh, it, it's honestly not even that great of a shot. It looks like Cordoba kind of hits it into the ground. Yeah. And then it bounces up over uh, Nubel's arm and into the goal. But um, just, you know, lethal counterattack pretty poor defending there once again and that's what i'm talking about just you know it, organizationally poor um and just and just second best in, in almost every way uh in, in the first half we, we seem to be being beaten in pretty much every area of the pitch um which you know if you're a team that's sitting around the europa league places is not 
how you expect uh, to look. But what can you say? As you said, Cordoba's been hot. Um, six and six coming into this one. Seven and seven now. I think uh, is the stat. So uh, certainly the kind of goal scoring form that we wish we had at the moment, <laughs> and yeah, we uh, yeah. and we haven't. But uh, yeah, Marcus Gisdol, uh looked very pleased after that one, and he he, he very much should have been because they were uh, they were cruising at two 0 there. Yeah, two 0 at halftime, uh, and for the second straight game, we didn't put a shot on target in the first half. Well, I guess you can call Gregorich's shot attempt on Timo Horn on target, but uh, for the most part, we were lackluster in that first half. It, we had to, it wasn't until the last thirty seconds of the half that we showed any kind of signs of uh, of prowess. But uh, two nothing in the halftime. Uh, obviously, some decisions had to be made, and shortly after the break, uh, Burksdaler would come on for Gregorich, who again was. Very um, out of place in this game, other than that one chance at the end of the, end of the first half. Um, we do we would see Ahmed Katuchu in the 74th minute for uh, for Nassim Bujaleb, um, but uh, a minute after Katuchu comes in, um, Nubu fans, where you at, huh? Nubu fans, where you at? A uh, uh, crazy play where they where I think it was Kainz, right? Kainz on the right right side kind of goes like through two or three players, puts on like a harmless shot on goal on target. Uh, hits Nubel in the hands, goes between his legs, and goes in the goal. I mean, what the hell? I, I don't even know what to say about this one. <laughs> um, I mean, right? It, yeah, it, it's it's a routine save. Um, he, he sees it coming the entire way. It's not hit with an incredible amount of pace or anything. Um, I'm not saying it's like chipped at him, but, you know, it it should be... At, at this level, if you're if you're a starting goalkeeper of a Bundesliga club, particularly a, you know an upper end of the table Bundesliga club, who's going to Bayern Munich in the summer, presumably to be the heir apparent to one of the great goalkeepers of all time in Manuel Neuer, um, I don't understand how you let what happened there happen. Um, yeah, hits him in the hands. He somehow bumbles it and knocks it through his own legs into the goal behind him and he, he tries to scramble to save it out and, and he can't the ball goes entirely over the line um i mean what one of the worst goalkeeper gaffes i've probably ever seen um he not made himself he did he did <laughs> and and once again this is this is the player who I, I saw everyone on social media saying is less likely to make the big mistake right mm-hmm. he's the guy that like you know he, he's going to be more solid schubert's all over the place and and what are we seeing? Consecutive games where Alexander Nubel is is looking wildly unconfident and just making inexplicable mistakes in goal. It's not good enough. And yeah, I mean, you know, Wagner came out midweek and basically said there is no goalkeeper discussion. Um, and I, you know, I I gotta say I think he's handled this entire thing poorly from the beginning. Um, yeah, it's I I don't know. I mean. It, it seems to me that you know it, once the, once a suspension happened to Alexander Nubel in the first half of the season, if he intended to stay with Nubel, he should have said that from the beginning. Exactly. The second Schubert comes in and plays, you know, the first of those games where Nubel suspended, come out and set the expectation and say, "Hey, this is this is intentionally short term. When Nubel is is back, he's back." But that didn't happen. I don't think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about when what the timing of that was. But I thought you know like that Schubert still had an extra game potentially after that suspension was over. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, Schubert has that shaky game against Bayern. He gives it back to Nubel. Um, and, and then Nubel has bad games as well. And it, it just, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say about it anymore. We've talked about this week after week repeatedly. Um, 
I don't care about the overall uh, projections of these two players in terms of what their ceilings are. At the moment, in terms of their play this season, there is not a significant difference between these two players, yep. and Nubel needs to be benched. End of story. If you disagree with that, you disagree with it. I don't even really want to engage you in conversation at this point because I don't know what else I can say to, to phrase this differently than we've already phrased it. Um, it it's, it's absurd, honestly. And uh, if he's going to be putting in performances like that, what possible justification is there for him remaining the starting goalkeeper? Exactly. I, I, the, there, there is none. You, and you cannot convince me that there is one. So anyway, uh, there it is. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel a little bit bad for him in the sense that you know, it, no one feels worse about that mistake than he does, I'm sure, and that's probably going to be the most embarrassing highlight of his career. Hopefully it is, because that would be bad if it wasn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I think your time's up, bud. So hopefully Wagner makes that decision. But like I said, he's backed himself into a little bit of a corner now because he's come out and said and kind of supported Newell. Um, and when you do that and then your player lets you down, it puts you in a tough position. So, Yeah, well, I mean, I would say this. I would like to see – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with, with one of our listeners who said, I would love to see Newell play against Bayern on Tuesday just because maybe they'll take it easy on him uh, being, his, uh, being their new employer or whatever. So uh, whether it's truth in that or not, I don't know. But I agree with you. Uh, he needs to be benched. Uh, Schubert needs to be back in goal. I mean, he is the future, right? We've been talking about him before this. You know, we're not going to get too deep in this, but Schubert is playing next year for us, not Newbel. Not Newbel. So play the guy who's going to be there next year, right? Anyway, um, yeah. If, if Newbel plays against Bayern Munich, like Manuel Neuer is going to run up on a corner kick and score on him. <laughs> during during like, open in, play, intentionally just to mess with him. I swear to God, <laughs> I would pay to see that. Even though it sucks because you get goals against us, but anyway. Uh, so. Yeah, um, we obviously just we mentioned it. We're playing Bayern this Tuesday uh, in the DFB Pokal at home. Luckily, I mean, I guess it's luckily based on his current form. Really doesn't matter, right? Uh, last, pretty much all the Rook Runda except for the first game, we've been playing like trash. We lost, uh, we lost two games, five nil. Uh, we lost three nil to a team that's you know they were in the second division last year. Uh, we are not playing well at the moment. And is there any hope, any reason why we should think we're going to do well? No, not at all. Um, it, it's the same thing I said prior to the uh, the, the Rook Run to Byron encounter here, which was that there is no reason to suggest that we should win. But you know, that's why games are are played on the pitch and not on paper because you never know. You know, any given day you can come up with the performance that you need to get things done. So, uh, you know, we just got to go out there and, and approach it with the best mindset we possibly can. I mean, we're, we're playing with house money. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. The, pre- the, the pressure should not be on us in this game. The pressure should be on Byron to not, like, collapse to a Schalke team that's in very poor form. So hopefully the players are able to go out there um, and, and despite the bad performances recently, maybe shake some of that off and come out a little bit more confident and, and, and see what they can accomplish. Um I mean, I, I can just see it now, though. Schalke somehow pull off this incredible performance. It, go, it, it goes, it goes to penalties, and then Manuel Neuer takes a penalty on Nubel. Uh, <laughs> and wins it. Yeah, and scores. I mean, it just, I don't know. It, yeah, but you know, we should, we should not be optimistic. Uh, Bayern is back, kind of at, at their better form recently. Um, you know, they they got off to kind of like a, a, a stop and start beginning to the campaign early on. Um, that has not been the case really as of late. So. Uh, don't know how Wagner's gonna prepare the team. 
for long uh, ball. Yeah, for a Bayern team that just beat us five 0 But I guess we'll have to uh, wait and see what he comes up with. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. Um, I would love to see a complete change in the lineup, and you know, barring you know we have plenty of injuries, so we don't have you know much depth right now. But I like to see you know, some guys that don't get much playing time just to see what they can do. Maybe they have a little bit more fight in them than than the guys who are currently starting. Um, it'll certainly be interesting. The DFB Cup can be it's crazy. We've seen that in the past with other smaller clubs. Uh, taking on the bigger clubs. So this time, you know, we're in poor form. Maybe it'll help us out. Maybe Byron will see how bad we're doing and put a B lineup in. Who knows? Um, but it has uh, Byron's been really good as of late, and they're back in the top of the table again. Uh, wait, what's a big surprise there, right? Um, so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game for sure on Tuesday. Uh, so um, hopefully the, the boys show up for a change and, uh, and, and do as well. Uh, we, we, we asked for some comments and questions from the listeners after the game. Uh, to see what their thoughts on, and um, obviously Nubel and uh, Schubert were obviously a big talking point. Um, I know, obviously, after the game, uh, the 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 team went up to the uh, to the to the fans and our traveling fans, that is, and and you know took the hate from the from the crowd as as you should. And you know we've seen that in the Tedesco era too, when team played poorly against uh, was it Dusseldorf? We lost four nothing there. So um, Nubel was hesitant to go to the to to the fans. He finally got convinced by like Harit and some other guys, and then when he as soon as he got there, they were chanting "Nubel Raus, Nubel out," uh, and I guess that shook him up. Obviously, I mean, no one wants to hear that, but we. It seems like everyone's on now on the, on the side of Nubel being benched. I mean, it it took a while, I think, but I think after the last few performances, I think it's pretty almost unanimous, if not. There's, I've heard a couple grumblings still back in Nubel, but those were Bayern fans. Uh, I, I after doing some digging. I know uh, our buddy Matt Fish uh, on Twitter uh, copied us on some of the tweets, and I I looked up, and those guys were actually Bayern fans. So not surprising that they're going to turn back the guy they just got. So, uh, what are your thoughts on the on the crowd? You know, yelling uh, Nubel out. Yeah, I mean the the Nubel Rouse chance. It's not something you ideally want to see from our supporters, but I mean, can you can you blame them? Right. I mean, you you have the you have this guy who we give an opportunity to as as a young goalkeeper to come in here. And, uh, you know, be our starter last season. Um, we make an effort to show him how invested we are in him. And from day one, he, he just acts like he's, he's, above, he's above us. He's better than the club. Um, that, you know, Schalke is beneath him as, as a player. And he's, he's on to bigger and better things at the first sign of trouble. And um, he can't wait to leave us behind. And he, he just kind of has this smug look on his face all the time. I don't know the guy personally. Right? I mean, I, this, this could be unfair on, on, on my part. And if that's the case, I apologize. But, it, that, I mean, the answers he's given in the media, um, it just seems like he doesn't care, really. Uh, so how do you expect fans to react, given all of those things? When then, in the midst of a bad run of form for the entire team, he's continuously making uh, atrocious mistakes. Uh, I, I can't blame him. I, I, like I said, it's not something I probably would have done if I was there. Um, I don't think you need to pile on to to this guy. Uh, he, he knows what he's doing and how badly he's been playing. Uh, he, he knows that more acutely than anybody else does. But um, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed as well, and and I'm and I'm not paying money. To uh to go attend these games, so I can't blame um you know our, our Schalke friends <laughs> who are actually over in Germany, uh paying money and traveling to support this team and uh, of which Nubel is a part, uh, feeling that they have the right to uh to voice their frustrations with them because they because they certainly do. 
Yeah, uh, 100%. And uh, I mean, exactly. I mean, you said, you said exactly. We can't blame them. There's no reason not to, right? We understand why, where they're coming from, because we're saying the exact same thing. We've been saying the same thing. So um, not too surprising, I guess, there. We've we've seen in the past, and, uh, and I guess it, it, it's, it's happening again. But All right, Jack. So another talking point that we've had was actually uh, something that happened this weekend, and really it's happened over the last several weekends. Um, this is all the uh, the DFB's action towards uh, the protests against Dietmar Hopp, the owner of uh, Hoffenheim and and and, uh, and SAP Corporation. Um, I think it all started really with um, you know the protests been happening for a long time, and so eventually Hoffenheim came out and said you know we're banning all Dortmund supporters uh, for three years. Uh, because of the because of the protests and ever since then the the protests really ramped up throughout the league. Uh, this past weekend, Dortmund Freiburg matches halted for a few minutes because of the protests, uh, and then even more crazily was in the Hoffenheim Bayern matchup. Uh, Bayern was up six nothing already at that point, and then they ended up stopping the game uh, because of the chance and all that stuff. The players had to come out there and kind of try to calm the crowd. Uh, then they came back. All the teams came back on the pitch, and then they pretty much had practice for the last twenty minutes of the game. It was no. There was no intent of playing actual football uh, for the remainder of the game, so that's kind of weird. Uh, but the really crazy part is Schalke came out uh, with a pretty aggressive comment uh, statement, uh, if, in fact, uh, and it says, um, you know, the headline was on, on, this is from Schalke's website too, no scope for tolerance of hate, violence, and defamation uh, with yesterday's incident in Hoffenheim and the renewed bad personal insults against Dietmar Hopp. German football has reached a point where we will no longer be on the agenda. Uh, they continue on to say in the, in the article, should there be any such occurrences in the Veltons Arena next Tuesday in the DFB Pokup uh, against Bayern or in the game against Hoffenheim the following weekend or in any future games, our team will leave the field regardless of playing time, the result, or any consequences. Irrespective of this, we continue to hold talks about blah, 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 fan groups. Anyway, the point is, uh, it looks like the DFB is giving like, teams three strikes before they you know, come down with even harder actions. It seems like Schalke is just doing one strike and you're out. And they seem, they say, they're saying if their fans put any kind of banners or any insults or anything like that uh, during the games, they'll just tell the teams to get off the pitch, period. What's your stance on that, on Schalke's harsh statement? Do you think it's harsh? Because a lot of the fan base is saying this is really harsh by the club. I think you know what I'm about to say. But imagine if clubs took this approach when it came to racist incidents in their stadiums. hey Which is not an original thought in response to any of this. But, I mean, we must be living in a sim- simulation. W- what is this? Yeah. Like, the scenes at the Hoffenheim-Bayern match, I mean, first of all, did, did I miss something? Did something happen recently why all of these attacks on Hop are, are suddenly more prevalent than they typically are? And why aren't they as much on Leipzig's I mean, owner? I mean, did, did I miss something? Did he do something? Did some... Was there some structural change in the ownership that, that made this worse? Recently? I mean, no. I'm not, I'm not going to claim to be an expert on 50 plus one or the various ownership structures of various clubs. So take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt, perhaps more than you normally would with anything I say. But <laughs> um, like Taruna Riga at the Veltons Arena reports racist behavior on the parts uh, yep. of Schalke fans. The match is not stopped. Schalke's players and, and even his own players seem to have no interest in stopping the match and you know playing kick around on on his behalf, but suddenly when somebody calls you know a billionaire a bad name, um, oh we can't we can't stand for this ah oh, you know we gotta stop play I mean how how dare they and and everyone goes into the locker room and then comes out and agrees in in a show of solidarity you know uh, you know millionaires you know showing solidarity with billionaires decide that they're not gonna finish the game and they're gonna make this statement against this kind of behavior what. 
Yeah, it's how how is this the response to like the, the, to, to, to something that is literally just you know a, a mean banner about a billionaire when when we don't do anything like this for the the racism problem? It, it's it's absurd and it's such a bad look for Schalke and I I, I don't like you know coming out and, and speaking ill of the club that I, that I love and I and I try not to but like. This is horrible optics from the club. This is like arguably a stronger stance than we took in response to the Taruna Riga event, which in itself was horrible given everything that had happened with Clemens Tonys earlier in the season. I was going to say um, Clemens Tonys is even worse yeah, than that. There's been a cloud of racism that it, that is sort of atypical for us hanging over the club all season. Uh, the response to the Taruna Riga thing was, you know, whatever, lukewarm at best, the state Alf campaign. Right. But then this happens and suddenly, even though this wasn't even involving anything to do with Schalke this weekend, right? Correct. Like this, this did not happen with with our with our supporters or the match that took place with Cologne. This was totally separate from us. Schalke feels the need to come out and issue this strong statement saying, "Hey, if this happens in our stadium, you know, we're shutting down the game immediately." It is it is such a bad optical uh, look look for Schalke at this moment in time. Given everything that's come on, I, I think it's a joke, and um, it, it's just it, it it shows you where where people's priorities are. Um, you know, players and, and the organizational structures alike you know for so many players to take that strong of a stand um in defense of you know a, a billionaire who I, who I think is going to be just fine you know i think he's going to be okay he'll be okay. i think I, I think he can handle it he can wipe his tears with his money with 20 um, bills yeah yeah but like but no one seems to to put that kind of effort into addressing um you know instances of racism it, it's 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 absurd and it's and it's unfortunate and uh i don't really know what to say about it beyond just you know exasperated shouting because i cannot understand what took place in the bundesliga this past weekend yeah and 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 coming from an americanish perspective the whole 50 to 1 rule is still a little like i don't see the big deal i understand the tradition and all that stuff but that was standing come on i mean like you you hit it nail on the head i mean you care more about this freaking billionaire and his freaking his freaking feelings more than you do about racism and all this other stuff that's even a million times worse or something what your what the, what our you know what 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 Tony said come on i mean that's re- little re- i mean little it's a lot ridiculous way over the top really honestly one strike and you're going to stop the games like really are you just trying to cover up the games the poorest result on the field i don't get it What's going on here? That's it's a, it's a terrible statement. They said this with the Turneriga situation. I'd be all for it. That'd be great. But they didn't. They're coming out with something that didn't even affect the game, like you mentioned. And this is the Hoppenheim match. Um, so I don't know, man. This is this is crazy. Uh, it's getting your nose in something that you don't belong in. Do they ever identify and punish the individuals responsible for the yes. Turneriga incident? Uh, oh man, I, I did. I, there was a, I think, a ban or something. It was something harsh for like one or two guys. I think it was one person in particular, and then they're looking for a group of them. Um, is from what I heard. But I, if if they have, I find it interesting that I didn't hear about that in a press release. Yeah. But I heard about, but I heard about this press release. Yeah, I heard it through the grapevine. Um, so, which could just be my fault, but that seems odd, right? That. You know, th- this club statement about the hop situation is so front and center. And then, you know, the follow up on the incidents that took place before is a little bit less. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I mean, I'm sure hop is, is a great guy. I, I don't know if that's true or not. He, he very well could be. And if he is and, and people are going after him, then, you know, that's unfortunate and probably not necessary. But at the same time, like, I mean, just yeah, the response to this incident is, is so disproportionate to like the importance of the incident itself 
um, relative to, you know, it, the racism stuff that we've been dealing with. It, it's I just I, I cannot wrap my head around it. And it, it makes basically all parties involved look silly. You saw you saw the post game um, comments from people like Manuel Neuer. And I forget which 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 Hoffenheim player what it was, but said like, you know, th- this was a historic day. You know, we, we took a stand against <laughs> like, like what? Like, we defended billionaires. We felt you so proud. sound you sound insane. It, I, I'm I'm trying not to laugh. It's just, and yeah, and Manuel Neuer with his. I mean, God, that guy. It just. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. 2020 is. I mean, it's, it's wild. Year. It's a crazy yeah, I, year so yeah. far. Oh, and this. We're not even mentioned coronavirus. So man, jeez. Yeah. Oh man. Well, let's change things up because we're getting too fired up here for. We're already fired up for the freaking losing streak that we're on, but you know this this adds fuel to the fire. Uh, let's look at the, let's let's flip it to the youth now. Um, Chris Hughes uh, commented on us on Twitter, and he says, uh, "With all of our youth, would it actually be best for the long term to slide out of European contention and to give us more, uh, more one more season to focus just on the Bundesliga and the and the DFB Cup? Um, we have a lot of talented youth uh, youth, not only on, on the senior squad but also in the Kanapenschmiede." Um, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, right now it doesn't look like we have a choice. It looks like we're going to be sliding out. We're barely hanging on um, to the European spot at the moment. But what are your thoughts? Do you think uh, Chris Hughes has some validity there with, you know, maybe take another year off with no more distraction and just focus on the league again and try to build back up and, and get a stronger team? Or what are your thoughts? I guess the way I would approach this is that uh, I think our financial issues are, are well documented. Yeah. Um, and it's affecting our ability to go after the kind of targets in the transfer market that we would need to pursue in order to uh, consistently qualify for Europe and be competitive in Europe. Um, and if you do not qualify for Europe, you miss out on that extra revenue, which could help you in, in acquiring those kinds of players. Yeah. So I, I think it's important for Schalke to, to be in Europe. I, I know this is a conversation with a lot of teams in various leagues saying, yeah, you know, if we can't qualify for the Champions League, we don't even want to be in the Europa League because no one cares about that competition. And you know that the games are closer to the weekend, so it affects our league performance more than perhaps Champions League games do, and yada yada. I mean, I I, I understand that that point of view. Um, to me, I think if if there's revenue on the table from the Europa League, uh, that is what we should be pursuing. And if you're concerned about the lack of experience um, for Schalke players, uh, maybe not a bad idea to get them some European experience in the Europa League, which is you know lower stakes potentially than the champions league right right uh, before dumping some of those guys in the champions league but um and at the same time we have we have we have plenty of experience in guys like you know ochipka and kawajiri and you know salif sani and stambouli and um you know Berg. i mean these guys have all played in these competitions before anyway so uh, yeah there are some younger players but um that's not a that's not a huge concern of mine but i i, I don't know I, I i'm still hoping we can qualify for europe it's not the end of the world, but I think we should uh, we should make every effort to do so and, and not just change course because it's because it might end up being the Europa League rather than the Champions League. Yeah, I think a big thing here is you're, you hit our nail on the head again. Is that um, it's a money thing, right? And Europa League brings you a lot more money, and you know uh, if the current situation is in, a, in such that we cannot buy players that we need to, to make our team. Um, strengthen our team, make our team much more dangerous, then we need to find a way to make more revenue, right? And then Europa League is a perfect way to do that. If we can't get Champions League, well, let's get Europa League and get some money in. Yeah, it'll be a distraction, but like you said, you get to put the younger players in, in the Europa League, give them some experience there, right? And then once uh, once uh, once you get qualified for Champions League, you have plenty of people with experience, not only the players who are in the starting 11, but you have the younger players now with some European experience, and then it'll help you 
and trying to get further into tournaments. So, um, and you know, having more money is something in particular which Schalke need because our next question says, you know, what are our thoughts on Jonathan David? And then Jonathan David, for those who don't know, is a an uh, along with uh, uh, with Davies from Bayern uh, is another great talented uh, Canadian. Uh, born in Brooklyn, but uh, he's a Canadian. Uh, he's a striker, uh, very talented player. He plays with Belgian side Ghent. Uh, this past weekend, uh, or this past week, he played against uh, Roma in the second leg and scored a goal there. Uh, every team in Europe is going after him, and it sounds like his agent wants him to go to Germany uh, to kind of um, develop there. As you know, as Holland had, had, had went to, to Dortmund, and um, Schalke is one of the teams that are, are interested in the services of this player. So to get the services of this player, Belgium, the Belgian squad, Ghent said. They're not going to give up, give him up for less than twenty five million euros. So, I don't see Shaka anytime soon, Jack, uh, putting that kind of money up for a player. So, unless we're in Europa League or Champions League, we certainly don't have a track record of that recently. Um, even when it comes to players that are more established and have a longer track record of making an impact, I know that you know there's rumors about Dries Mertens, another uh, you know Belgian from a couple years ago, yeah. um, and we didn't want to pay like twenty nine million or something at that time because that was too steep for us. So. Uh, you would certainly think that maybe 25 would be above what we're trying to do as well. Who knows? Um, I mean, as for Jonathan David himself, uh, yeah, I mean, an exciting prospect, somebody that I'd certainly be would be pleased uh, to acquire, having a great season in the Belgian Pro League, 18 goals, 7 assists, and 26 matches. Um, and you could you could say, oh, you know, it's just the Belgian League, but, you know, he's also doing it in the Europa League, right? He had yeah. five goals in the Europa League as well. Um, so he's doing it on that stage. Um, and he's, he's, he's getting interest from from clubs that are that are bigger than Schalke. So I, I would be somewhat skeptical as to whether or not we're going to be able to lure him in, um, particularly if he's not going to have European football on the table, because uh, I, I would doubt he would want to take a step back in that regard if he's already having European football now. Um, I, I've seen stuff saying, you know, teams like Everton and Chelsea are potentially interested in going after him. And, uh, I mean, if, if those rumors are true, I, I find it hard to believe that he'd maybe choose Schalke over one of those clubs. But um, certainly a guy to keep tabs on. Uh, throughout the second half of the season here, and uh, you know who knows uh, if Schalke wants to splash in cash and and and, and David's keen, then you know maybe maybe we'll see him in uh, in, in a different blue kit next season. Uh, hopefully ours. <laughs> yeah, it would be it would be nice to see him here. But again, we're gonna have to get some uh, extra revenue if you want to try to get this this player in. I think you know making Europa League and get some money there will help in that effort there. So we'll see if that happens. Um, uh, Jean-Louis Finch also asked, uh, can you do a roundup on the uh, academy players that can happen to me to, uh, to tell us about some players for the future? So I- I'm just going to name a few of them because um, we need to do more in-depth uh, research on this. But uh, some of the players, you know, like Malik Tiao uh, is a-, a player who's supposed to be the next uh, Joel Matip, very, very, uh, a very good central defender. Um, in the Riviera Derby, uh, the Kanapashmita, they he had two goals and an assist in that game. Uh, did very well there. Uh, the captain for the Kanapashmita, Chan Bozdogan, uh, he's a very good central midfielder. Uh, again, he got a he got a call up to the January uh, training camp uh, in Spain, and so yep. a lot of promise with him. Um, Soren a- Soren Allers is a is a goalie um, that has a lot of promise. He's 22 years old. Um, done really well for them as well. And Timo Becker, who we've seen recently uh, come up to the team. Um, obviously, Nick Teitig, uh, an American uh, from Virginia. He's uh, he's someone who's on the fringes now. He, I think he's with the senior squad officially, I, I think. But he's definitely signed an extension. Another yep. American is Matthew Hopp, um, that, that 
that people, uh, awesome, at least us Americans have been watching him because he's been scoring a lot of goals uh, for Schalke Academy. And uh, obviously we want to see another American do well. Uh, and so he's our next great uh, hope after uh, Nick Taitigu. And then um, Leroy Sané's younger brother, Sidi Sané, uh, he's a lot of potential. He has a lot of injury troubles at the moment too, but uh, he's, what, 16, 15, 16 years old and um, he's got that bloodline of Leroy Sané. So you got to expect that he's going to be somewhat a decent player. Uh, and uh, and then there's one other player. They signed uh, a Norwegian 18-year-old. His name is uh, Mikael Maiden. Uh, he's supposed to be really, really good, too, uh, an attacking uh, midfielder there. So there's a bunch of young players to look out for in the Kanapa Shemitah, but that's, those are the ones at the top of my head, Jack, that I can think of that we'll, uh, we'll have our eyes on here in the near future. Yeah, maybe we'll do an episode with a little bit of a deeper dive into that. That's certainly something that you and I don't discuss um, or place a lot of emphasis on on this podcast. Um, and if I'm being totally transparent, I, I don't follow um, the progress of, of the lower teams that closely. I mean, I keep like general tabs on it, but I'm not actually watching um, many of their matches. Uh, but maybe that's something that we'll make an effort to do. And uh, perhaps at some point this season, maybe during like an international break or something, right? Yeah. We'll, we'll toss an episode out and we'll, we'll discuss uh, what the goings on in uh, what, if we're being honest, is one of the better uh, talent factories in all of European football. 100%. Uh, so yeah, that, pff, let's end it on a good note. Talking about the Kanapa Shmita. Um not much else I want to talk about. Anything else you want to talk about? Not really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this this has been a, this has been a brutal few weeks. It has. It uh, has. Yeah. So it's. I mean, we've, we've been keeping it short, and that is uh, that is just fine with me. Yeah. Thank you for the Kanapa Shmita questions too. It's, it's nice to talk something different for a change and uh, talk about the future. So I'll be interested to talk about them later on uh, in the year. So. Yeah, I think on that note, uh, let's wrap this one up. If you haven't done so yet, uh, make sure you sign up for the Shaka U.S. newsletter. Just simply going to the website, Shaka's website, and signing up through there via email. You'll get it once a month. Um, yeah, thank. Uh, want to give a shout out to uh, Shaka. Thank you for all the tidbits on your podcast today, and thank you for all the for all the listener questions. Uh, they really helped us uh, get us through this difficult times in this podcast, uh, especially the last couple of weeks here. So. Uh, Jack, where can our followers find you on social media? J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. Very good. And uh, you can find me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoos. Shoos.